Hey everybody, this is Senior Pastor Joshua B. Carson saying thank you for tuning into the CT Podcast. We hope that your time here, whether you're driving down the road or whether you're sitting at home with a journal and listening in, we hope that it's effective. Maybe it'll be inspirational, encouraging. Maybe it'll be thought-provoking. Regardless of what session you're listening to, we truly pray that this is a benefit to you and to your family. God bless and enjoy the podcast. Aren't we having a good day in the house of the Lord? And fathers, we ought to just be having a little bit better day. Today is our day. And uh, we honor each and every one of you. I also, as you're turning in your Bible to 1 Kings, want to say how much I appreciate all of our fathers being godly men, striving to lead your families to the best of your ability, whether you are a father or a stepfather, Uh, However, the terminology works in your family. Maybe it's not even your biological children or grandchildren, but you've been that grandfather or that father figure to them. We honor you and we thank God for you in this hour. Let everybody say amen. I do give honor to my dad today. Love and appreciate him. I am the son of a welder. And I am so happy to be the son of a welder that loves God and made sure his family went to church. Amen. First Kings chapter three. If you're a visitor here and you're, you've taken time to be at Calvary on this Sunday morning, you could be anywhere doing anything. We, we just appreciate so much and we hope that you feel not just at home here, but we hope you feel free to worship God and feel his presence. I want you to disregard the statements about Michigan that were not sanctioned by the leadership of this church. He's a good man, but every good man has flaws. And I forgot I get the microphone right after you, right after you. 1 Kings chapter 3, I want to read here today verses 7 through 12. 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 7 through 12. And now, O Lord, my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David, my father, and I am But a little child, I know not how to go out or come in. Thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered or countered for multitude. I want to ask this question of you, Lord. Give, therefore, thy servant an understanding heart to judge the people, that I may discern between good and bad. For who's able to judge this so great a people? And the speech... Ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, because thou hast asked this thing and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but you've asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise 
and an understanding heart so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. I would turn you over to the book of Jeremiah for one verse before we're done in our reading here. Jeremiah chapter 6 and verse 16. If you'll allow me, I'm going to take from these two texts and try to tie them together in what I feel my mandate and my instruction for this morning. Verse 16 of the sixth chapter of Jeremiah reads this way. Thus saith the Lord, stand ye in the ways and see and ask for the old paths. Where is the good way? Walk therein. You'll find rest for your souls. That's what Brother Barkus was talking about. But they said, we will not walk therein. We don't want to go the sure way. We want to go our own way. I want to return. We started this year. I've returned once. I'm going to return twice now on this important Father's Day to our theme for this year, Mission Forward. And I want to preach for a little while that we've got to be tethered to the mission, to the mission as men of God. Would you pray with me before we're seated here today? Lord, we love you. We thank you for what we feel in this house. We pray your blessing and your help upon everything that is said and everything that is done. We need your help here today. Bless every hearer that we might not only be hearers of these words, but that we might be able to live out what your word instructs us. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. And let everybody say amen. amen. God bless you. Greet your neighbor before you're seated and tell them, stay tethered to the mission. Mark Twain is credited with this statement. When I was a boy of 14, my father was ignorant. I could hardly stand to have the old man around, but when I got to be 21, I was astonished how much the old man had learned in seven years. <laughs> Being a dad, one quote that I read, kind of funny, kind of sadly true. Being a dad is about the ability to create another human when you don't necessarily have the capability to put together a bookcase without help. I know, one writer said, I know when my kids need money because they laugh at my jokes. Some can appreciate this here today. Nothing is funnier than people without kids telling me how tired and busy they are. <laughs> Raising kids is the only job where you work 24 hours a day and it actually costs you money. When your kids are toddlers, I've lived through this, when your kids are toddlers, they embarrass you constantly. How many know kids will say anything? Embarrass you constantly in the grocery store, doctor's office, park, everywhere. When they're teenagers, dads, it's your turn to pay them back. Last but not least, I'll use this one, and I hope it doesn't bother you or offend you, but 
Being a dad is when you realize you can actually still like and even love people that puke in your vehicle multiple times. <laughs> For me, that love was felt when I could love them after dealing with a diaper. I had a good wife, ladies and gentlemen. I, I was thankful for her during those years. I'm blessed with her. And I want to say, as I begin here today, thank you to my children who deal with me. I don't think it's maybe always the easiest thing to have the dad who's constantly in front of so many people. So I honor my children, and I love them not for being perfect, but for just being kids that love God. I, I love them very much. I talk to you today on behalf of the text from which I... I drew, thank you, I, I didn't give you time to read, we know you love them, thank you. <laughs> First Kings chapter three, where I drew this out of is a unique place for Solomon. It's a place where he's asking a question, a request, if you will, from the Lord. He's in a transition, he's in a spot. If you'll allow me to liken it, fathers, as I greet you here today and I begin this, I'm gonna tell you, dads, we're in a unique spot. It's always been a high calling to be a father, but Brother Gallia and I trust you not only as one of the pastoral staff, but also as a friend, and I would just talk to you dad to dad in front of everybody here today and tell you, we're, man, we're leading in a weird world, in a weird time. Solomon is given the opportunity to lead in an odd time and the changing dynamic from one generation to the next. And in the changing of one generation from his father David to now Solomon, while he is going to be leading the people, I would position this statement to every father in the room that will hear me, whether you have small children or grown children. Some of you, you are grandfathers and great-grandfathers, but the principle remains the same. If we have ever needed the wisdom of God, we need it now. It is the truth. Whether you are dealing with diapers and you are a young father with the smallest of children or maybe you are to the stage of a great-grandfather where now those kids that you raised are looking to you for sound advice, I would remind us here today, we do not need man's wisdom, we need God's wisdom. And God's wisdom comes from God's Word. And we hear God's wisdom from God's word in God's house with God's people. And we are not apologetic, even in 2023, that we make it a family mandate. We go to church. Somebody say amen to that. But as I worked through this and I looked through this and the Lord kept bringing me back to this particular portion of text, I find myself thinking about the book of Proverbs. I, I would take you here today if you were interested to go with me. It's in Proverbs chapter 4, verses 5 through 7 that we read this attributed to Solomon, those words where he is recounting that of even his own father's and fatherly instruction. Get wisdom. Get understanding. Forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. Forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee. Love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get 
understanding. We often are enamored at this critical moment in the life of Solomon when he asks God for wisdom or he asks for the ability to judge according to what would honor God with the people. But it was not by accident that Solomon could make such a prayerful petition on that day. It had been placed into his mind and placed into his heart how to go about it. Fathers, we are teachers. I'll say some statements here today. It's been a uh, unique exercise mentally for me, even again this morning, because I feel like it was just a snap of my fingers and I was making sure that they had all those sunglasses ready for last year to hand out. And I was preaching about that. It feels like the snap of a finger. How could 52 weeks have come and gone? How can 365 days have evaporated so quickly? How can so many discussions and dialogues have occurred? How many messages have been preached? How many private conversations have been held? How many big moments have been made, yet how many big moments have been missed? It happens that and we recognize that if, if we're not intentional about what we put into our children's minds and their hearts, there is a world that is very intentional about what they're placing in. They're putting it into curriculum. They're putting it into commercials. They're putting it onto ads. Your kids want to watch a game? Well, they can't hardly watch the game without being uh, asked to involve in alcohol. How many know what I'm saying? It's, a, it's, it's an in-between. It's this subtle show. They can't, they can't be anywhere or see anywhere that the world is not intentionally marketing to them to walk away from what is godly and what is holy and what is true and what is righteous. And so to the fathers in this room today, I come to Solomon where he is asking before the Lord. And I want to tell you here today, we need the help of God. How do I lead my children, if you'll allow me to liken you as a father and you as a parent unto that of the life of Solomon and allow me to liken your children unto the people that he is asking for the wisdom to judge precisely. How many know that being a dad is not always an easy job? It's not always the likable job. I bet I'm not the only father in this room that has got in trouble because a kid came to me and said, hey, dad, can I go to so-and-so's? And I said, yeah, it's fine. That's fine. I have found the easier answer there is now. Did you already ask your mother? I bet I'm not the only dad who, when being asked a question like that, said, yeah, absolutely, have a good time. And then I get to the vehicle. And somebody. I've heard those words, I can't believe you let them go. Was I not supposed to let them go? Well, Elisha, I found out I, deal, I, I had to deal with that a couple times because I'm hard-headed. Now, kid comes to me. Every dad in this room knows what you say. What'd your mom say? <laughs> the problem is most of the time they say, she said. 
And then so every strong man in this room like me does what every other strong man does. And we go to our wife and we say, what do you think? Are we supposed to? Laughing because you've been there. Telling the kids our secrets. How are we supposed to raise them? And thank God when there's a home where both parents are. But a lot of homes, there's not. If you're a single mom, I'm going to tell you, God will give you wisdom. If you're a single father, God will give you wisdom. And for those of us that right now we're, we're in a blessed place where maybe there are two parents in the home, our intellect cannot do this. The world that we're dealing with, we like never before need this word to guide and to govern and direct what we are saying and doing. And I have not been able to get away from the passage which I read to you this morning that I know does not seem to tie together. It does not seem to add together. Why would you go from 1 Kings 3 over to the book of Jeremiah and read about the old paths and the old ways other than Solomon was taking what had been brought from a father and given into his life. Was he perfect? No, he wasn't perfect, but he was a man after God's heart and would Solomon end up having some issues yes he would but in both of their lives David and Solomon's we find that their mistakes came when they got out of seeking God and got involved in seeking their own desire to the men in this room the youngest of boys to the eldest of men in this room I would submit to you here today there is a tried and true path that leads us to a successful mm, mm, a successful way to parent a successful way to lead them in salvation and a successful way to consistently stay saved. I don't think that men in this hour have to be given over to every temptation that is being thrown at us. We can still be righteous. We can still be God. I need more men to say amen to that. We can be pure. We can be holy. We can be godly. And I'm going to say this right now. Men, we can be strong men in this hour. I am not apologetic, men, that we are dressing like men, talking like men, acting like men, and leading like men. Because we need the generation following us to know how to be men. Some people are not going to like this. <laughs> we got to raise men that are manly. How many of you, like me, have a little girl? Sorry, cadence in advance. I read a line this week that said, my, my daughter does not and will not have daddy issues, but anyone who wants to date her will. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. 
the generation that is following after us to know there is a clear path and that there is a stable anchor that they can attach themselves to. I've walked through this week the mountains in the scripture, the most important mountains, and I'm not going to take the time to walk through all of them, but I've, I've taken Jeremiah and I've looked at it and I recognize what it's talking about here with old paths. And I've stood there in that mountainous region and I have walked some that are more like hills, but I've also walked some of the more dangerous areas. And the only way I knew where it was safe versus where it was not was the worn paths that were there. And I would submit to us here at Calvary Tabernacle on this Father's Day, there are a lot of heathens out there trying to wear down paths in places that I do not want my children to tread. And I do not want your children. Brother Sean, I am not apologetic that we want to keep our kids from walking down some new paths they're trying to make that our, we don't want our kids to know about. We don't want our kids to experience. We don't want our sons. We don't want our daughters to know anything about it. Don't you take my kids off that trail and say that it's right. I want the old path. I want the old trail. I want what's always worked. In order to try and illustrate this today, thank you, Brother Goddard, I am not a climber. In my mind, I'd like to be. My problem is, if you'll allow me to liken this climbing illustration with this walk of God and this seeking wisdom and this old path instruction. If you'll allow me to liken them together, I'd like them to put a little graph on the screen here. In recent years, you will see that indoor climbing has quadrupled. Indoor climbing has quadrupled. Pastor Carson, what's that mean? What's the problem? There's no problem other than there's a lot of indoor practice, but not a lot of outdoor use. (laughs) I don't want to just shout about it at church. I want to know how to walk this walk and traverse this path when I get out of here. So I have asked Brother Goddard, you can put the title back, I've asked Brother Goddard to help me with this climbing gear. I made a few of them very nervous. Had one individual ask me if I wanted to repel from the ceiling. (laughs) To which I said, nope. Let's pretend. But I wanted my climbing instructor, as it were, to help make sure that what I was feeling made sense. And so I started asking about what are known as climbing anchors, used more in repelling or going up a mountain. But I, I got to be honest, the world we're trying to traverse feels a lot more mountainous than worn path. It, it feels like it's getting harder and harder 
Brother Howe, you serve with such excellence, you and your wife leading our, our family ministries. And I would tell you, it seems like the reach is getting farther and farther from what was always normal and normative. And yet, when I, I, I find myself traversing up or climbing up this place, I recognize I'm not alone. It's always been an effort for men and women of God to get up the mountain and to live righteous in spite of this world. So I begin to ask them and look up and read about and watch and study on anchor points. What is an anchor point that's been firmly attached? And simply all that it is is that place where someone seasoned before you has come and found a sure place. And in that sure place, they have laid an anchor so that when you get to this place and you take your rope and you anchor on to this place, although you may stumble, you may fall a little bit, you are connected to something that will not allow you to be destroyed. So I submit to every father and really even every mother in the room here on this Sunday morning, the first place I want to be tethered and be anchored is to the pulpit and the Word of God. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged. I understand what day it is, but daddies, we need our kids to love preaching. And I don't know how our kids are going to love preaching if we don't love preaching. And I know I'm the pastor of this church, but I love preaching. I love the preached word of God. Brother Barkus, I, I could not have enjoyed anymore the preaching and the teaching of the word. Brother Barkus, I need you to come help me for a second. Just get up, come down here real quick. I, I, I need you to help me. Come here. You don't have to repel from the ceiling. But I need you, I need you to help me real quick if you can. I knew what lesson you were teaching and I set you up. I'd like you to just clip this to your belt real quick if you can. And while you taught about unforgiveness, I'm going to let you represent unforgiveness. Because if I say amen to this, but I'm tethered to unforgiveness. Go ahead and just take a, take a little walk. Just take a little walk. Just take a you're enjoying this too much, I think, maybe, just a little. <laughs> as much as I want to say amen to this, if I'm tethered, as much as I want to get my children involved, if I'm tethered to unforgiveness, so I got to be very careful. Go ahead and unhook that. I got to be very careful that I don't allow myself to get anchored into things that are actually going to speak destruction into my spirit. How do I do that? When the teacher teaches, the preacher preaches, I take anything that's been anchored to something that wants to destroy me and I get that anchor off of there and I start looking for things that I can anchor to that will not destroy me, but that will keep me. 
Will you let me preach this for just a minute? Every father in the room needs to be godly enough to say, give me that preaching, pastor. Give me that righteous preaching for my, I need that for my family. I wanna be connected. I might make mistakes, but I need to be connected so that when I start to fall, I'm not saying you won't fall, but I am telling you like the book says, I may fall, but if I'm tethered to the right thing, when I fall, I'll be able to get back up. Somebody shout amen. I want to be tethered to it. Can I go a little further with this? You may have to watch. I don't want to make anybody nervous, but here I go. Brother Matthews, thank you for preaching to our young people. Thank you for preaching to them to love doctrine. Thank you for preaching them to love doctrine. I'm going to tell you, though, as a father, he can't be the only one that talks to my kids about repentance and baptism in Jesus' name and the infilling of the Holy Ghost and the necessity to live righteous. I, had a, I said, can you put something connected to the baptism? Because some people think... Some people think that it's not necessary to preach doctrine like we used to. But if my kids are ever going to get connected to it, I'm going to have to lock on to it. So that even, help me, Brother Matthews, just, just let my rope out just a little bit. Just don't, don't, I, I don't want to fall, but as long as I stay connected to that. Now, I might have times where I, I might keep pulling. Keep pulling. See how much I can go. It's amazing when you love doctrine how much it'll let you. When you really love doctrine, it's amazing how expandable that you can. But we don't ever get to minister at the expense of being connected. Because if I begin to fall, I'm tethered. And when some philosophy teacher comes up to your student when they turn 18 and tell them it doesn't matter, you've tethered them to... They want your kids, but you already gave your kids to the pulpit and to doctrine. And when they come after their mind and they come after their heart, you're able to say, my hands are off the rope, but they're anchored to the doctrine. They're anchored to the... Brother Muse, when they end up at university. Oh no, watch the keyboard. Oh, be careful for the instruments. I'm gonna say a statement. And it's just a practical statement, but I mean it's spiritual. If all the instruments break, but we got doctrine. I like our keyboard. I like our drums. I like our organ. Oh my, here come the elders. I still like the big old lesson. But if they all break, and we've still got ourselves tethered, to hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. 
you've got to repent. You've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. I'm looking for some grandfathers and some fathers who would say, get anchored to that. Get anchored to the pulpit. Can you handle one more? Men, fathers, grandfathers. Brother Titus, you can handle this question, I hope. How old are you, Brother Titus? 66 years old. Brother Titus, let me ask you a question in front of the whole church. Have you outgrown your need for the altar? I bet at 66 you still realize. I got to get tethered to that altar. Because it's hard for me to really value this. And it's hard for me to really love that. Unless I'm tethered. Men of God. Fathers in this room. You want to. You want to teach your kids how to walk the old path? You yourself get anchored to it. I'm not, I'm done, I'm going to stop. I'm not against you being excited for sports. I'll, I'll come right there with you. This is the U.S. Open. I'm one of those people. You don't understand people that can watch golf? I I had it up on the computer watching the U.S. Open. I'm sorry for anybody that thinks that's sin, hitting a white ball. And the person was playing. I was doing what every good man in my moment would do. I was having a conversation with him. My wife walked through the other room. She said, who are you talking to? Didn't you? Who are you talking to? I said, me alone. He should have. If he would have. I'm telling the PGA, if, if you would have, you should have just, if you want to get excited with your team, I'm all for that. I'll cheer right alongside of you. But if they watch you lose your mind for sports, if you come to their basketball game and you yell the whole time, but they can't remember the last time they saw you run to the altar. Come on, this is what I'm called to do. I'm called to tell you we got to be anchored to the altar. There's nothing more important. There's nothing more important. I have people all the time. Today's our three-year anniversary of pastoring here. And thank God for what he's done. Thank God for what he's done. I have people ask me all the time, Pastor, what do you need? Do you need anything? Here's all I need. Let's be men of God and women of God. And let's stay connected. Whether you're a brand new father or you're a great grandfather, I beg of you that you get tethered to the mission. And the mission is love the word of God and what the word of God instructs us. We've got to love doctrine. We've got to love others as ourselves, And we've got to apply that through an altar. Pastor Carson, why? And you got yourself connected to all this stuff. I have found it safer because if he can, the devil's number one agenda, 
is to try to get us offended at somebody or bothered at something, and he'll just untether. And I'm going to tell you right now, Brother Barkus, if I'm not careful, I will with my mouth say I'm tethered to this and tethered to that, but because I'm not tethered to the altar, all you got to do is show up and that unforgiveness. Oh, well, he still loves doctrine. He, he, he still believes in baptism. Yeah, but if you believe in what you no longer apply, do you really believe? I want every dad in the room to stand with me. Kason, come here, buddy. Run up here. Sorry, I didn't tell you this, but come here. It's a good dude right here. I love him. Not just because I legally have to. I really, <laughs> I really do love him. I love the opportunity to be your pastor. And I love the opportunity of been traveling, preaching these camps. I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be a, somehow be a voice. But the most important thing in my life I wouldn't embarrass you for anything, okay? But the most important thing in my life is that when it's your turn to climb, that you'd know, come here, buddy. I want to teach you in front of all these people. When you hear Daddy praying at home, when you come down and I'm drinking that coffee and I got my Bible open on my lap, I want you to know. Now, I love when we go play disc golf and I love when we go to the golf course. But I want you to know none of that other stuff we do matters if you don't stay connected to the pulpit, connected to doctrine, connected to the altar. Does that make sense? Thank you. It's got me. It's got me so that offense won't. It's got me so that that affair won't. It's got me so that bitterness can't have. It's got me. I'm not saying I won't stumble, but I'm saying it's got me. I want every dad that's willing, and I would, listen, I know some of you, this isn't your personality. I wouldn't embarrass you for anything. If you don't want to, you don't have to, but every dad that's willing, I want you to come down and stand. No one's going to rush you. No one's going to lay hands on you. No one's going to, there's no team that is going to repel from the ceiling to ambush you. None of that. None of that. <laughs> Those that get here first, I want you to turn and start distributing these carabiners. We got hundreds of dads, so please do your best to help us push them to the sides and start Look at all these amazing dads. Dads, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm just saying it's right. 
just right. Brother Ross, when we walk out today, guys are getting root beer, candy bars. If you're diabetic, I apologize. I guess your wife's having a good day. Yeah, you're... you're. Whether you want to use this little carabiner on your keys or you just want to throw it on your nightstand or maybe connect it. I don't know how you want to use it. All it says on it is mission forward. You got it? I want you to hold it up. Here's my question to every dad in the room. Mission forward. Brother Williams, this is the question I've asked myself this week, knowing I gotta preach this message to these men. How do I expect my kids to move forward if I don't example it? And how do I expect them to take the mission forward if they don't see me anchored to the safe and the steady places? Men of God, I want to pray over you in the front of this building before we leave this house. And I'm asking everybody in the rest of the building, would you stand and would you stretch your hands towards them right now? Lord Jesus, I pray right now over every father in this room that they would be godly, that they would be righteous. That they would be the man of God, the husband, the father, the grandfather that you've called them to be. In a dark hour where so many new paths are trying to materialize, I pray you'd help us to teach our kids, teach our families how to anchor in on the old path the old path of righteousness, the old path of loving doctrine, that old path of honoring ministry, that old path of honoring the altar. This movement, this Pentecostal experience started with an altar and it bled into a communal altar. Help us to be tethered to the mission. If they've been attacked at their job, I pray you'd give them liberty. If they've been attacked in their own mind or spirit, I pray you'd give them rest and strength. If they've had weariness in their spirit, I pray that you'd be the prince of peace to their life. But I pray that they would be anchored and that they would stay anchored so that others who come behind them could get connected. Men of God, I implore you before the Lord on, and on behalf of His Word on this Father's Day, let us be men of God. Pastor, I've, I've made some mistakes. I, I've done some stuff. Hey, you know what? Join the club. 
Every man, every father in this room has made some mistakes we wish we could have back. But you could spend the rest of your days being tethered to what you feel guilty for, or you could just instead get retethered to the blood of Jesus Christ and the forgiveness. Wives, ladies in the room, children in the room, I want you to hear me before we leave today. They're not perfect, but they're in the house of God on Father's Day. And we thank God that they're trying to live for the Lord. Amen?